Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And the Oscar goes to... Oh, thank you so much. This might be the one time I'm speaking. This is not a joke. Moonlight is one best picture. Could you double check the envelope? And I can't deny the fact that you like me. Thank you, life. Thank you, love. You guys are just standing up because you feel bad that I fell, and that's really embarrassing, but thank you. This is nuts. It's a tie. I'm the king of the world. And the Oscar goes and to... And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar to... goes to... My only object is being here is to try and get out of the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a... Could have been a contender. Fasten your... I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer again. The census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fruit for Frodo. Nice clean. Don't laugh! Can't stop what's coming. This ain't reality TV! I will not fall into despair! You hate bloggers! You mock Twitter! It's time, Robbie! He's fast! Welcome to the Next Best Picture podcast. Oscar goes to... Okay, Coda. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 325 of the Next Best Picture podcast. I'm your host, Matt Neglia. Time recording is 9.10 p.m. on December 22nd, 2022. Lots of twos in there. Here to join me today for this holiday special episode, I have Josh Parham. Hello, hello. Dan Baer. Hello, everybody. And joining us here, not as guests, but as official new members of Next Best Picture. First up, everyone, I have Meredith Loftus. Hi, everybody. And also joining us again, we have Alyssa Christian. Hello, excited to be working with you all. Yes, very, very excited, ladies, to have you both here officially with us here. Um, Obviously, I think at this point, what we should probably do before we dive into the content for this week's episode is I would like to actually just go around and just ask a couple of quick questions here. Nothing too crazy. No one's going to be put in the spotlight, uh, unwillingly so. Uh, But Meredith, I want to first start off with you. Do you have a favorite movie from 2022 so far? And can you rattle off uh, maybe some favorite films of all time? And then on top of that, just what has your journey been like that has brought you here to this point? Gosh, you just want to give me, you just want me to share my life story, why don't you? Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Oh my gosh. I, there have been a lot of really great movies this year. So um I'll say for recency bias, because it's about to drop on Netflix officially, Glass Onion and Knives Out Story is probably one of my favorite movies this year. Um, If you're listening to this and you haven't watched it, oh my gosh, stop what you're doing, watch it, and then come back here. Um, I just think it's incredible, and I only want Ryan Johnson and Daniel Craig to make whodunits until the end of time at this point. I I love a lot of different movies, um, but if I'm rattling things off off the top of my head, um, some of my favorite movies include Sing Street, Pride and Prejudice, Coraline, Star Wars, A New Hope. That is my favorite Star Wars movie. 
Um, I love the original Iron Man. I am a fan of the MCU and Star Wars. So that is all in there. And then, uh, yeah, you're really putting me on the spot here, Matt. I could have had this prepared. <laughs> so uh, a little bit about me. Um, I've been living in Los Angeles for about seven years, and I've been working for Entertainment Tonight, CBS Interactive, Paramount, uh, through different changes and mergers and what have you. I've been in the same office building, but I've hold, held like multiple different jobs. Um, but in addition to that, I do write uh, features for Collider. I just started this year, and it's just been a lot of fun um, to be able to uh, get super into detail about different movies and TV shows. And I also uh, have had a podcast in the past few years called Fangirl Forum, where I just sit and get to geek out with other friends of mine over different movies, TV shows, um, Oscars, you name it. We're just kind of all over it. Uh, but it's kind of taken a backseat this year. But I mean, I've been a fan of film for most of my life, thanks to my parents. Shout out Bill and Amy. Um, uh, yeah, it's just been a really cool journey to be able to get into this world of entertainment journalism. And I'm so excited for this chapter to, uh, get to be a part of this team with Max Best Picture. So thanks for having me and letting me geek out with y'all. I'm so sorry if I get super enthusiastic. No, no, no. We appreciate enthusiasm over here and I appreciate you sharing that with us. Thank you. Um, Dan, Josh, any questions for Meredith? Not so much a question as a hell yes, team glass onion. Yes. <laughs> I love the Coraline shout out too. It's yes. a, that is also one of my favorite movies. I can watch Coraline on any given day. If it's even remotely cloudy out, outside, I'm like, it's a good time for Coraline. I mean, perfect. That movie <laughs> takes place during cloudy weather. It does. Exactly. Oh, one more quick shout out. Another movie that I love and I'm super enthusiastic about. I love Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. I love the Mamma Mia universe. And I'm sitting here waiting for Mamma Mia to get the cinematic universe it deserves. Because if the Fast and the Furious franchise can get a universe, why can't Mamma Mia? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Look, they've already screwed around with that timeline enough. You could cast literally anyone and have it make sense. I mean, at this point, it's one step away from the DCEU, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. It would be so much clearer right now than the DCEU. So, like, make it happen. All right. Great stuff. Great stuff. Alyssa, over to you. Uh, same question. Favorite movie from this year? Any favorite movies of all time? Uh, what has your journey been like to get here? And then we'll open it up to some quick questions. Okay. So my favorite movie of 2022 is definitely Everything Everywhere All at Once. And I just absolutely loved it when I saw it in the theater. And I've been telling everybody else how much I loved it. So I've been really happy to see how well it's doing this season. And some other movies I really enjoyed. I mean, I, I really loved Top Gun. <laughs> and I was not expecting to love it as much as I did. I even went to see it at the theater with both of my parents, and we were all just enthralled by it. And a recent movie that I saw that I really liked a lot, or loved, really, I guess I could say, is The Banshees of Inisher, and I was just so impressed with everybody in that cast. And... Uh, Overall, you know, some of my favorite movies are kind of all over the place. Like Meredith, I am a huge fan of the MCU. So, of course, I have to shout out 
Avengers Endgame, which was kind of the most exciting moment of my life when I went to go see it at the uh, Thursday premiere. It was just an exciting experience I'll never forget. And uh, some of my others are, like Matt, I also love Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, the whole trilogy, but especially Return of the King. I think it's, you know, one of the best movies ever made. And then uh, growing up, my family and I watched Back to the Future a lot. So, of course, I love that, especially the first one. I can pretty much quote the entire movie, and I quote it almost on a daily basis. <laughs> I kind of annoy my family a little bit with that. But also uh, some more recent movies that I have also liked. Uh, I love Arrival. I just love it even more every time I see it. Also, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, a masterpiece. And then going back to my journey to get here, I've pretty much always been a cinephile and what I call myself is a movie snob. I mean, my, my blog is called Vegan Movie Snob. And uh, when I lived in Boston like 12 years ago or so, I'm, I'm in Rhode Island now, but I used to live in Boston and I really enjoyed getting to go to screenings there. I wasn't really like writing for any particular publication. I was just able to get different screening passes and stuff. So I, sometimes I'd see like up to four movies a week, which was really cool. So I really enjoyed doing that. And uh, yeah, I've written for a number of different other places. I'm a writer. I've written like newspaper articles and things like that. I also have written for this publication, this vegan website called One Green Planet. So I've also done all kinds of things. Also, like I said, I have my blog. It started out as a movie blog, but now it has turned into me blogging about different things, animal related and whatnot. So yeah, I'm very excited to be part of this team. I have been listening to these podcasts for a couple of years, at least, maybe even longer than that. I think I started listening at the beginning of the pandemic. I remember the first one I listened to was a review of Promising Young Woman, which was my favorite movie of that year. So yeah, I'm very excited to get started. Amazing. I love it. And I also love, too, that uh, Promising Young Woman is what brought you here. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was a really great one. I listened to the entire review, and I was just, I loved your review of it, so. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Josh, Dan, anything for Alyssa? Portrait of a Lady on Fire, a masterpiece, indeed. I know. Yes. Co-sign, <laughs> my favorite movie of 2019. It yeah. was definitely one of my favorites, too. I was just so bummed that it didn't get any Oscar nominations whatsoever. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I understand why Neon kind of dropped that movie because they had to focus on Parasite, but yeah, I am also still upset about that. So fumbled. In my heart of hearts, it's got all these Oscar nominations. <laughs> like, It's like Christopher Nolan being nominated for Inception. Like, in my mind, it happened. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, in Portrait, what Adele Hanel, I don't know if I'm saying a name right, does in that last scene is just... It's amazing. I can't even yeah. think about that right now. <laughs> in my in my heart of hearts in my head that is the best cinematography winner that yeah, it's it, amazing it has that oscar it just does well this is meant to be a joyous episode not a sad episode everyone <laughs> uh so what i want to do thank you ladies to get us started here uh before we get into what everyone has watched this week meredith tell the listeners where they can find you on twitter Yes, uh, you can still find me on Twitter at Meredith Loftus, and I have recently uh, have activated my Letterbox account, and you can find me also there at Meredith Loftus. Ooh, I will be following you right now. In that case, Alyssa, same question. 
Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at amusic20, and that's also the same username for my letterbox as well. I haven't been active on there too much lately, but I definitely want to get back into it because it's a great way to connect with fellow cinephiles. Well, I'm proud to say that I am following uh, both of you. So great. Uh, That's actually going to be something that we're also going to do here on this episode is we're going to give each other gifts for the holidays. We're going to give each other the gift of a movie recommendation. So break out those letterboxes and make sure that Alyssa, Meredith, Dan, Josh, myself haven't watched anything. We're going to talk about the shortlists. We're going to talk about the trailer for Oppenheimer. We're not going to go over the polls because this week's poll is still ongoing as of this recording. So you'll have to just pay attention on Sunday when I post the new weekly poll and then the results from last week's poll for your favorite silent film on Monday. Uh, But until then, what did everyone watch this week? I know this is like crunch time right now, especially with the shortlist coming out. People want to see these movies that are here that could possibly be nominated for an Oscar. There's great stuff playing at the movie theater. There's great stuff streaming right now. There's great stuff that's going to be streaming this weekend. Uh, Josh Parham, we'll start off with you. What have you caught up with this week? Well, you know, I actually haven't caught up with a ton since the last time that we talked. Which was, That's because you're all caught up. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's still a few straddlers out there that I need to see. Uh, I've also still been recovering from the flu last week, so... I was going to say, Meredith and Alyssa, for those of you that don't know, Josh sees like, Josh, what are you up to? you got to be over 300 at this point. Uh, Probably, you know, it's (laughs) hard to keep track at a certain point. I do try to see a lot, and especially towards the end, I do want to catch up with some stuff. Um, One thing I did actually see that I didn't mention previously was I did finally see the documentary Wildcat. Yes, uh, Tom O'Brien, a very, very big fan of that, just wrote a review for it on the site. I saw that a couple of weeks ago, too. What'd you think? Uh, It was good. I I liked it. Um, It's definitely um, an interesting perspective for me because uh, I am not really a cat person. (laughs) There were a couple times where it's like, man, you are really spending a lot of time with this cat uh, that is like trying to maul you to death. And I don't know if I would necessarily (laughs) be there all that time for it, but... I get it for for him. Um, it's a really interesting portrait, though, and definitely would recommend people check it out. I don't know if it's like one of my favorite documentaries of the year, but it, it was good. I, and I did enjoy it uh, for the most part. Yeah, I watched that movie, honestly, through sheer anxiety for the most part. I I was so nervous watching that movie. And for reasons that I don't necessarily want to get into, that's part of the experience of watching it. But it was a very emotionally grueling film. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Yes, it it definitely has that effect. So um, that was really the major thing that I saw. There's still some other documentaries that I want to catch up with before the end of the year. But, you know, yeah, there's there's still a lot of good stuff out there. But I have seen a lot leading up to this point. That's for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Alyssa, how about you? What did you catch up with this week? Yeah, so this week I haven't really seen a whole lot since it's only been, you know, a few days (laughs) since we last uh, did the podcast. But that is true. That is true. Yeah, I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah, no worries. I was actually away. Some people who listened to the last one might remember I was away for a while, so I, I didn't have a TV or a car to get to any movie theater, so I'm trying to catch up, <laughs> slowly but surely. So I caught up on two big ones this past week. I saw, finally, Triangle of Sadness, and uh, I was not, like, in love with it as much as some other people were, maybe because, uh, you know, the trailer spoiled too much, or maybe some other people had hyped it 
up too much, but I still enjoyed it overall. I mean, it really makes, speaking of the White Lotus, makes White Lotus look subtle. I mean, it's very obvious with <laughs> with everything. And, uh, you know, I think the performances are really great all around, especially Dolly D. Leon. I don't, I'm not sure if I'm saying her name right, but yeah, her last scene, you know, I can see where everybody's raving about her. It's just amazing. I do think that it's definitely too long. This seems to be a trend these days with everything being so long. And, uh, you know, the pacing was a kind of jagged for me, but overall, I think it's definitely worth watching. I was kind of bummed that my fellow vegan Woody Harrelson wasn't it that much, but he definitely made the best use of his, you know, small screen time. And then the other newer one I saw was, I mentioned it earlier, The Banshees of Inisherin. I watched it on HBO Max recently, and I was actually kind of grateful that we had the option for subtitles because their accents are so thick and, you know, some of the names, I had no idea what they were. So it was very helpful. But like I said, I, I really love this movie. The performances just across the board are amazing. I really do think that Colin Farrell gives a career best performance. So I'm really happy to see all of the awards recognition he's been getting lately. And of course, the whole ensemble, as people have been saying, is just outstanding. Carrie Condon is just great. And uh, Brendan Gleeson is great as always. But you know, as um, you guys have mentioned recently, just Barry Keoghan is really impressive to me in you know his limited screen time. I've been a fan of his for a little while. So Overall, it's just a really great film. I, I like the dark comedy and the script is just so perfect. I had no idea that, you know, people talk like that. So overall, yeah, I was very happy with that. And yeah, so and then actually earlier today, after the Oscar shortlist announcement, I tried to catch up on some of the films on the shortlist, the documentary shorts and also a couple of the animated shorts. I know some people like to wait until the full nominees are announced, but I did this last year where I just kind of tried to watch as many as possible, just, you know, get it out of the way. So, you know, obviously not every one of those I watched will be nominated, but, you know, I kind of like to do that. Uh, were there any uh, standouts? I mean, you've probably seen more than most of us here right now since we're all still trying to catch up on the narrative stuff. Yeah, I only saw four, but there were a few that were on uh, YouTube that I was able to catch up on. Save Ralph, obviously, I'm kind of partial to that because, you know, I'm a vegan and against animal testing. So, obviously, I did like that a lot. And it, it came out a couple years ago, so I don't know why it made the shortlist. There's also this powerful documentary short, Stranger at the Gate, which, you know, even though I kind of knew where it was going, I thought it was worth watching. But, you know, I still have so many to catch up on. But it does seem like... Oftentimes, the shorts end up on things like YouTube, and sometimes you can just find them on the New Yorker or something. So, yeah, I like to do that because it's an easy way to check them off my list. Yeah, short filmmakers will pretty much do anything they can to get their shorts out there and get visibility. So you're right. A lot of them can be found usually online uh, the the legal way, might I add. <laughs> um, <Right>. So <laughs> more to come on the shorts definitely in the weeks ahead as we try to whittle those down to what could possibly be nominated and, of course, win the Oscar. All right. Dan Baer. Yes. Um, well, today, day of recording, is December 22nd. So happy Top Gun Maverick on Panorama Mount Plus Day. Mm. I celebrated. 
(laughs) (laughs) And my God, I mean, I love this movie. It's so good. The last like five to 10 minutes in particular is just pure popcorn movie bliss. I, it's so beautiful, perfectly constructed and well done just on every front. And what, what an entertaining movie, like what Hollywood blockbusters can do at their best. I also had, got together with a friend last night and he was very excited by the screener pile that I have had piled up in front of my TV. (laughs) Um, And he picked out to watch X, which was the first time that I have rewatched it since seeing it in the theaters back in April. And having watched it now after having seen Pearl 2, there were some moments when I was practically in tears and my friend was looking at me like what's going on what what's happening here and i had to explain to him that there's also a sequel prequel and that it's about the old couple and there's just some very surprising connections did not even think of um when i was watching pearl last time and i when i made these connections finally it was just like my god and um, it is a, a fucking crime that this did not make the makeup and hairstyling shortlist for about a million different reasons. But number one being like, I will say, even watching this and now for the first time knowing that it's Mia Goth doing double duty as the old lady still could not clock it. The makeup job, the acting is just flawless, and I'm very upset that this is not getting the end of year recognition that it deserves. I'm sorry. Last I checked, this is a horror film, right? Yes, it is, and that doesn't mean that it shouldn't be in contention for the same kind of awards as staid, ugly Oscar bait. Preach. Mm-hmm. Preach. Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. you're right. But are, but but am I surprised? No, no, yeah, no. I would like for one day, for one day for them to surprise us. That would be nice. Yeah, that would be nice. I mean, I like, I get, and I'm really happy that Crimes of the Future made that shortlist. We'll talk about this more later. But like, there shouldn't just be one horror movie on the shortlist. Like, come on, people. Yes, that, definitely that agree. That ain't it. Every year for makeup and hairstyling and for sound, there are always great horror movies every yep. year. But nowhere to be seen on the short And list. it's especially disappointing because, especially with makeup and hairstyling, given the history of the category, yeah. it was created because of horror movies. And the only person who ever wins or even gets nominated for horror movies is Rick Baker. Yeah, That's the it. very first winner was yep. a horror movie. Like, utter disrespect. Yeah. <laughs> It's 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 galling. It is galling. It's particularly galling when you look at this movie. But whatever. Um, I also uh, spent some time with family over the weekend, and uh, they picked two very good movies to see from the screener pile. We watched uh, The Woman King, which plays just as well on a second time through, and everyone uh, everyone loved it. There was lots of screaming and shouting and talking back to the screen, and they loved it. And we also watched Everything Everywhere All at Once, 
uh, which went over a lot better with my family than it did with Matt's. <laughs> <laughs> for the record, for the record, I, I actually had a chance to ask my mom recently, hey, what did you think of that movie for real? And she said to me, I thought it was OK. <laughs> well, well, my mom loved it. I'm very happy to hear that. She was she was. And I get this. Like, she was very nervous that it was going to be too uh, complicated and too difficult for her to follow. But she got completely swept up in the storytelling. And by the end of the climax, she was just, like, crying and hugging my sister. And my sister, who's not really a big movie person, she said it's her new favorite movie ever. So that amazing. so happy to hear. And just, like... It's it's a fun, really fun movie to watch other people watch it. Um, and that was so that was a really good time. That's so sweet. <laughs> I did a presentation today at my day job for my top five favorite movies of the year. Oh and when I got to everything everywhere all at once, mind you, my company is over a thousand people. I'm doing this for on Zoom. Oh my god! The chat exploded. People love this movie. Like there is love for this movie amongst general audience members out there, and it just warms my heart. <laughs> and, and everyone that I have like taken to see it has basically said the same thing that like this is such a unique movie. That it is the type of movie that like they wish they could see more often because they would go to the movies if more movies were like this, if they had their own personality like this, if they felt original like this. And that's so nice to hear <laughs> in a way like that there is an audience for the type of movie there is. There are people who want to see this. We just need to get more movies for those people. So all of this is to say that, like, I also saw I Want to Dance with Somebody this week. And, um, yeah, the less said about that, the better. I didn't want to dance with somebody when that movie was over. I mean, I did want to dance with somebody when it was over, but that's because they end with the Kygo uh, Higher Love remix. Which, oh. <laughs> how can you not want to dance? Dan, Dan saw this movie with me, and actually when that moment happened during the credits... I like the whole movie. I I, I I didn't fall asleep, but let's just put it this way. I, I was kind of just coasting through this movie. But then when that song played, Dan just saw me like tense up, lean forward in my chair. And then I like zipped over my head to him and turned and went, I think this is the Kygo song. Oh, my God. It's the Kygo song. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> he was very excited. And I was like, you're way too excited right now because that movie was so okay <laughs> honestly it's probably the most okay movie i've seen this year that's two hours and what was it 46 no some ridiculous two hours two and a half hours yeah minutes, whatever it was yeah, yeah. It, just like it's very patience testing and not in the fact that it's like boring or anything just that like it keeps giving you like these small little nuggets that don't really connect to each other story-wise or thematically or character-wise and like all of a sudden Whitney's just doing crack <laughs> and okay that's like a, like there's no setup for it it just like comes out of nowhere there's no, no setup for the crack okay setup for it no <laughs> setup for it just all of a sudden she comes home early from a trip she's looking for Bobby 
and he's nowhere to be found, and she just breaks out a crack pipe and is like, oh, so that's where we are. Okay. There's a lot of things like that in this where it just feels like they tried to condense so, so much. much, and even still with the runtime being what it is, it still felt rushed, if you can believe it. Um, the thing that like kind of killed me with this movie was something that somebody, a friend of mine, said a couple of weeks ago to me, um, who he had a chance to actually see it pretty early. And when I was talking to him about Elvis and how much I was like, you know, I wasn't like the biggest fan of Elvis. Like, it was all right. Like, Austin Butler is really good, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like going off about it. And then he like interrupts me and says, well, when you watch I Want to Dance with Somebody, you're going to appreciate how batshit crazy Elvis is. <laughs> yep. And sure enough, after having rewatched Elvis and now watching this, I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll take the absolutely bonkers mm. movie that we got with Elvis, even if it doesn't fully work for me, over something like this. Because, I mean, even last year with uh, Respect and then, you know, with other films that we see with all these musical biopics, I feel like... It just seems that they're all just following like such a basic formula a lot of the time. And uh, Dan, I believe you said this in your review, and I echo the same thing. You know, for the greatest voice of her generation, the movie itself doesn't really seem to have a voice. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's one thing to just like present scenes from a person's life, which is what largely this movie is doing. But that's just like the most basic pedantic way to tell these kinds of stories there was no point of view on what whitney meant to any segment of the population to her fans to culture in general to music even there was no sense of like there was like one scene where a radio dj is like drilling her about like but don't you think you're too white in your music and that was the only bit that engaged with sort of the larger culture around her that existed around her when she was recording and this is a woman who like was at the forefront of getting black artists on mtv black women on mtv and that like broke all kinds of sales records and awards records at the time and is still one of the best selling artists and it doesn't really engage with why its answer for everything is just is just like because she had a great voice huh didn't she have a great voice which like yeah she did have a great voice but she was a person and she was a really complicated person full of a lot of contradictions and it doesn't really know what to do with that other than to say here Naomi Aki play a million different conflicting things and Naomi Aki goes okay I mean that's what I was going to say is that Naomi Aki is up to the task she and great. she does do she does give a really good performance I think in this yeah but unfortunately it's the movie around her and i think her scenes with stanley tucci in this are actually the best that the movie has because oh, and stanley tucci is like the only person that you could ever cast to play claire davis <laughs> he's <laughs> it's perfect flawless yeah i mean it's unfortunate because this whole time i think everyone's been wondering why is sony holding it why are they holding it what's going on here with the marketing of this movie and having seen it i get it now yeah. 
it's unfortunate the mo- that the movie is not. I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the movie like does unexpectedly well at the box office. Maybe I, but. you know, the audience that we saw it with, which was like a mixture of press and public, like it did seem to play well. Like people did applaud at the end. Not many, but they did. Yeah. So I think there is an audience that will like this. I think that's largely Whitney Houston fans. I think they'll, you know, they'll be happy to just like see the big moments and the big moments are filmed really well. I, I find them, you know, really enjoyable to watch, but I could also just like watch the actual footage of most of these things on YouTube and get to see actual Whitney Houston do it. So like, why would I pay money to see this? I feel like we say that about every single musical biopic. (laughs) I, I will say this. It is much better, like, at the levels of basic construction than Bohemian Rhapsody. So, you know. What a bar to clear. I know. Like, there's literally the bars on the floor. But even still, you know, like, I'm grateful for the fact that it could have been so much worse. Agreed. All right. I think we have uh, Meredith left. That's right. It's that kind of time of year where like it's right around christmas so it's like catching up on all these movies but then also equally trying to watch as many christmas movies as possible (laughs) so like today i watched how the grinch stole christmas and miracle on 34th street the original version but uh recently i watched um she said um which i was just stunned at like how good of a movie that is and I feel like it's just getting lost in the awards conversation a lot which is really a bummer because like the performances are really well done um I think it's paced well and it does a really good job of handling this like material that like keeps you not as much as like it's not taking the dignity out of these women's stories um or even like pouring into their trauma too much but they handle it really well in a way that like I just haven't seen in a while. So like I'm very passionate about that movie. And then another documentary that I just watched was Senior about Robert Downey Sr. and Robert Downey Jr. as a huge MCU fan and as hashtag Team Iron Man. Like I was going to watch this and it was really good, um, especially since I didn't know a lot about Robert Downey Sr.'s, like, film career, and it was really insightful to see, like, his story with Hollywood and then, like, his relationship with his son, and honestly, I'm pretty bummed that it didn't get included in the shortlist for um, documentary feature because I feel like that would have played really well in that, uh, in that mixture, but I don't understand why, but, you know, I still enjoyed it. So like, it doesn't take, you're away. not alone. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like it would be something that the Academy would like glom onto, especially since Robert Downey senior just recently died. So, but that's also the same thing. Like, Oh my gosh, it's a beautiful. Oh, won't you be my neighbor? Not getting nominated for a documentary feature either, you know? So 
I sometimes I feel so. like the documentary branch purposely looks at all the films in the race, looks at the makeup of the Academy and says, well, if we put this one on the list, then it's obviously going to get nominated. So, no. No, I think what they do instead is they just look at what are the most wholesome, uplifting, feel-good movies and say, fuck that. <laughs> but but not always. I mean, not always. think about the movies that haven't uh, either been nominated or didn't make the short list. There are still lots of like, quote unquote, feel good movies that that make that list that get nominated for the Oscar and win. Well, that not always get year. nominated. But like, I mean, Navalny is uh, that's a well, we'll see if it gets the final nomination now. Fire of Love, like and even yeah, the, some of, of them are are like you know, they deal with sad topics or they're somewhat depressing, but they still play uplifting, you know, like, or life affirming anyway, but well, yeah. I just feel like if your documentary comes across as quote unquote populist in its presentation, that is something that they tend to shy away from. Which is so fascinating because they're willing to give recognition to uh regular features that are considered more like feel good uh plays well with the general audience that may not necessarily be great they're willing to give them more recognition than like a documentary that makes you like feel good so i don't know well remember it, it is different branches at the end of the day true so the academy as a whole when it comes to voting on the winner different story but yeah i hear i hear you on that uh anything else or no, uh, I'm saving a lot. So because I'm home this week, uh, a lot of it has been watching um, like Christmas movies. Uh, my dad tonight was like, can we watch Top Gun Maverick? And as much as I wanted to indulge him because I do love that movie, I'm like, no, you need to watch the first episode of Ted Lasso. So I made him do that. I mean, that's not a bad compromise. <laughs> it's not, especially because he hasn't watched it. I'm like, this is the time. But next week is my big push of like, I'm going to be back home. I've got a lot of time on my hands. So I will be spending most of that time at the theater. So like uh, Babylon, The Whale. Yeah, just catching up on as many movies as I can. Violent Night, I still need to see in theaters, even though it's available on VOD. I want to try and be in the theater if I can. But if I can't make it, then I'm thankful that a lot of these movies are now available. Oh, yeah. Fablements. I still need to watch Fablements. So Violent Night is so much fun with an audience. So even if you can't see it in the theater, just like get your family all together or get some friends over, like watch it with a group. It's so much fun. That's what it looks like. So that makes me feel really excited. All right. And then for myself this week, because I apologize, we're going a little long on the intro here. Uh, I'm going to go fast. Um, I basically this week watched, as mentioned before, I want to dance with somebody. I also watched The Pale Blue Eye, which I thought was good, not great, which is how I would describe most of Scott Cooper's movies. It always seems like he's on the cusp of achieving greatness. But he never seems to quite get there. But one thing I do appreciate about him as a filmmaker is that he never repeats himself. Uh, each movie he does is different than the last one in terms of tone, genre. Uh, Christian Bale, expectedly great. Harry Melling, great. Really, really fantastic to see him uh, in a role like this as Edgar Allan Poe. And also, too, I really appreciated that the movie 
wasn't what it necessarily appeared to be on the surface. Uh, and, you know, I'm not saying that it fooled me. I kind of did see it coming after a certain point. But I thought it was brilliantly well acted by both uh, Bale and Melling that it was able to uh, carry me through. So that'll be on Netflix soon for everybody to watch. And then uh, last film for me, uh, another Netflix title. I just watched this actually uh, a few minutes ago before we hopped on here. I watched uh, Matilda the Musical, which was delightful. <laughs> I mean, no surprise there. Um, I really, really enjoyed the feeling of it all. Um, I enjoyed the musical numbers, the choreography, the kids. The kids are great. The kids are fantastic in this. Lashana Lynch, uh, but the real, real star is Emma Thompson. I mean, my God. <laughs> it makes me so angry that she has given two incredible performances this year and neither of them are going to get nominated for an Oscar. No, sadly, no. <laughs> uh, it's unfortunate, but like I feel that she is just continuously, always, almost like, like Ray Fiennes in a way, just always proving that they are one of the best actors working today. And awards bodies are just never taking notice, it seems like. Even though she's Golden Globe nominated for Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. I mean, you know, when, when are the Oscars going to come back to her? That's what I want to know. We need another Emma Thompson award speech. Yes, we do. Yes. Please. We need all the Emma Thompson. Yes. Speeches. Yes. All right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oscar shortlist. Big one. 95th Academy Awards here, people. Bunch of categories announced here, uh, but we're only going to focus on uh, the ones that weren't the shorts, uh, just for the sake of time. Uh, documentary feature. We have All That Breathes, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Bad Axe, Children of the Mist, Descendant, Fire of Love, Hallelujah, Leonard Cohen, A Journey, A Song, Hidden Letters, A House Made of Splinters, The Janes, Last Flight Home, Moon Age Daydream, Navani, Retrograde, and The Territory. And I have to say, one of the biggest shockers of the day, Critics' Choice Award winner Goodnight Oppie not making the shortlist. It was not a good day for Amazon in general. No. Which makes me wonder if there was some, like, issue with their screeners or how they got themselves out to no they got everything out there it's it's very weird that no it can i can i just call it like it is sure they didn't have the strongest slate this year Uh, they didn't that's fair but even still like i would have expected either that or wildcat to make this list and i i thought wildcat was gonna get here i was very surprised that wildcat missed um and they've considering how much they have been pushing goodnight oppie and also 13 lives for all of that to only get make one short list mm-hmm. is that's a real that's tough for that yeah no agreed yeah they're having a rough year and, and lucy and desi didn't make it either so yeah, yeah. and I actually really enjoyed Goodnight Oppie, so I was really bummed to see it not make it here. Yeah, it's so sweet. I love that movie. I like it. I'm not in the love territory. I mean, if 
there's a couple of films that are listed here that if they had missed, I would have been upset about. But like some things that I want to call out here, uh, Bad Axe. Yeah. Just what an organic uh, journey that film has had. Um, same with something like Last Flight Home, which I feel like has just flown under a radar, no pun intended. You know, that was one of your favorites from Sundance. Yeah. I remember, Matt. It, it, it was, yeah. I don't think it's going to go all the way to the end to a nomination, but I'm just happy to see that it made it this far. And you know, Bad Axe, the way that I have heard people talk about that movie, like if that makes the – if it gets a nomination, I think that's a serious threat to win. It could be. It very well could be. Uh, I also want to call out two I haven't seen. Children of the Mist, haven't seen it. And Hidden Letters, I haven't seen it. I did see A House Made of Splinters at Sundance, and <laughs> I, I still don't think it has distribution right now, which wow. kind of shocks me that it's here. <laughs> um, I will say that I saw Hidden Letters at uh, Tribeca, and I'm a little surprised that it made this list. It, it's really beautifully shot. But is it's it's about this secret language in China that was used to be used um, by women to only communicate with other women, and it, it's only a written language. It's it was it was it's such a fascinating topic, and it actually and I'm assuming because like the history of it is like just dying out. There's actually not a lot about the history of it or how it was designed, how it came to be, how women really used it. But there is, it, it's a really interesting examination of how um, it has, it's called Nushu, how this language has been like rediscovered and now like reappropriated by the government and corporations and other entities and the, you know, environment of, Chinese culture, which was really interesting. But looking at some of the films that didn't make it, I'm a little surprised. Yeah, I mean, the expected ones uh, that I think we all thought would show up here, other than Goodnight Oppie, uh, which was definitely the biggest omission of all. Senior, I had a feeling. I just had a, I had a feeling that that could miss, but still not as big as Goodnight Oppie. Uh, but otherwise, Moon Age Daydream, Navani, The Territory, All That Breathes, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Fire of Love. These have been like kind of the, the mainstays. Descendant, still happy to see it in the fight. It missed a couple of uh, precursor nominations early on that kind of had me worried. Uh, but I think that, you know, this is a very competitive crop and I don't know what combination we're ultimately going to end up with as of today. Um, as always, we'll need all the pieces to put it all to put it all together. And even then, it's still going to be tough, I think, to figure out what the final five will be. Josh, I remember what well, was it? I think it was the pandemic year. I, I could be wrong about this. I remember you saying something to the effect of like, there was a world where I go one for five in predicting the nominees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And I am still terrified of that to this day. <laughs> <laughs> that is the documentary branch. You never really know what kind of a mood they're going to be in. And yeah, like they kind of usually get most of the usual suspects. And then you just sort of have to pray that the wherever you cast your chips, that they were in the correct spot. So, yeah, it, it is very competitive. It's competitive every year. Um, I will also just say that that Leonard Cohen documentary making the list is also rather baffling to me because I did not think it was very good. And it's so weird oh. that that made the list and like both Senior and Sydney didn't. Yeah, it 
very odd. And, and the Tanya Tucker documentary, and like, like for that, like yeah. Moon Age Daydream, I get, and I'm so happy that that actually did make the short list because I was worried, given their somewhat adversity to like uh, archival footage documentaries sometimes, but yeah for the Leonard Cohen being the one to make it out of all the musician documentaries. That's just really weird. Oh God. It's like two hours about the making of one song. I mean, to be fair, it was also one of the earliest screeners that were sent out this year. So that might've had something to do with it. Uh, Maybe so. Uh, Let me ask you this question. If I were to go around right now and ask each one of you, which of these listed films do you think is most likely to be nominated for the Oscar? You would say Meredith. Moon Age Daydream. Dan? Oh, God. I hate this category because of this reason. Like, I have Navalny as my number one right now, but I don't even know if it's going to get nominated. <laughs> I don't know. I would say, fuck it. I. I'm going to go with the one that has proven it can win prizes and lots of them, all that breathes. Okay. Josh Parham? That is my answer too, Dan, because, yes, the question of what will win and what's most likely to be nominated with this category are two different questions. And I think that – I don't know if all that breathes is going to win. I kind of doubt Mm. that. But just given its strength with the documentary kind of industry at large, it feels like that one has a lot of support. And I think that one feels very safe to be nominated. Alyssa? Yeah, I was actually going to say Fire of Love because, you know, it is kind of a romance, but it's also a very interesting nature documentary. So I am pretty confident about that one. I'm worried about Fire of Love, actually, due to the archival element. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like anything that's archival. I'm like, ooh, Moon Age, Fire of Love. I'm like, ooh, you guys are in deep trouble. But we'll we'll see. Uh I actually am going to say, I I will admit, All That Breathes is probably also my number one, but just to kind of break it up here, close number two, I feel very confident about the territory. I hope so, because I really do like that movie. All right. Let's move over to the next category here, Best International Feature Film. We have 15 films, just like in documentary before. And here we have, from Argentina, great week for them. Argentina, 1985, Austria, Corsage, Belgium, Close, Cambodia, Returns to Seoul, Denmark, Holy Spider, France, Saint-Omer, Germany, All Quiet on the Western Front, India, RRR, oh, wait, sorry, excuse me, last film show. India's getting the last laugh, I'm telling you. Ireland, The Quiet Girl, Mexico, Bardo. False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. <laughs> Morocco, The Blue Captain. Pakistan, Joyland. Poland, EO. South Korea, Decision to Leave. And Sweden, Cairo Conspiracy. Now, you want to talk about a conspiracy here. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, no, no, not in terms of something that, like, missed. Uh, but I will, <laughs> I will just say with this category in particular, this very much... Like documentary, I'm looking at all these possible nominees and I am in a very similar situation where I'm like, holy shit, we could have some really crazy combinations of five here. Like there are some really, really worthy choices amongst this group. I don't think there's a really bad film 
in this lineup of the ones that I have seen with the big um, caveat that I haven't seen Bardo yet. What? You haven't <laughs> seen Bardo yet? No, I... You're sitting at home, eating edibles, watching movies, <laughs> and you haven't watched Bardo yet? I, I would not recommend not... edibles with Bardo, though. <laughs> Number one, I have not been eating edibles yet. I know, That's I know, I was during playing. During Christmas break. <laughs> yes. <But laughs> Number two, I just like... I don't know. It's one of those things where like the early word on it confirmed all my worst fears about it. And after that, it's sort of like it went to the lower half of the screener pile. Well, here's what I will say on our review that we just did this week. Our scores ranged from nine to five. And I know which one Josh was. Yes. (laughs) And in consecutive and for the record in consecutive order. So we had a five, a six, a seven and eight and a nine all on the same review. That makes a lot of sense, actually, for that movie. I'm just saying, I think you should give it a try. Oh, I will. It's just on the bottom half of the screener pile. <laughs> it could have been worse, Dan. That, that is what that is the extent of my positivity about that movie, that it could have been worse. It is very much the the hand of God for me this year, where like the bad reviews were exactly what I feared about it. And the good reviews are just not strong enough to get me excited about watching it. So I'll watch it eventually. But I haven't seen it yet either. I've been kind of putting it off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, I saw it last film show, actually, a while ago. I think I saw it, uh, yeah, like in the summer of 2021. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what I was doing then uh, that I saw it. But um, it's good. It didn't blow me away. Um, I, it's funny. This is the first time ever that I've seen all of the, uh, shortlisted films before the Oscar nominations. So I think that's, what's making this category very difficult for me is that I have the reference of knowing what all these films are. And so as a result of that, I look at the list and I say, okay, fine. Yes, we did have some films that missed out, right? We had Alcaraz miss out plan 75 Mars one, but they weren't like the big heavy hitters. They're all here. And because of that, it's making it very, very difficult for me to figure out where it's ultimately going to go because EO has done really well with critics groups. Is the Academy going to go for something like that? They might as kind of a dark horse art house, you know, fifth pick. Uh, But then you have something like Joyland which is picking up a lot of steam as well, and it's going to be having a boost come Sundance. Uh, it's going to be playing there. The Quiet Girl has a lot of passion and support. And, you know, with the Banshees of Inishirin and a couple of other nominees this year, it just seems like Irish films are getting all the love. Return to Soul, I think, is also a very strong possibility. Remember, it's a spirit nominee. Corsage has got IFC. Vicky Creeps as the uh, star and lead of it all. Argentina, I mean, Amazon's going to throw some heavy weight behind that. You better believe it. I mean, this is a tough category. Well, also, like, Ricardo Darren movies get nominated in this category. (laughs) Not for nothing. (laughs) I mean, the Critics' Choice and the Golden Globe announced their foreign language film nominees, and there was some pretty considerable overlap there with Bardo being the only additional nominee at Critics' Choice, so... Do we just walk away saying, hey, that's our top five. And if you want to play it safe, predict those five. I feel like this brand. No, because anyone can vote for this category for the nominees now. It 
I feel like that leads to some weirdness. Yeah, I was just thinking about last year, or this year rather, with uh, that, you know, Jack in the Classroom that nobody had seen or even heard of. It was such a random one. <laughs> that team was working overtime to make sure people saw it in the Academy. Like, wow. Every single member at Next Best Picture was sent a screener for that film just so we would put it in our predictions. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like that, that, that the team that worked on that film did miracles with that movie. They really did. Uh, And I know some of the movies that they're working on here as well. And immediately as a result of that, those are the films that I'm like, okay, I am taking you very, very seriously to get nominated right now. I mean, they have EO, right? They have EO. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that they are getting out there and they have made sure that that is being seen. They have EO. They have close. They have uh, all quiet. EO is also Janice films, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And they just did the impossible with drive my car. So Josh, I know, I know you don't want me to put you on the spot, oh, but God. <laughs> how are you feeling? It's terrible. Like I do every year with this Always. category. Yeah. <laughs> Because just because you think you have a consensus, that means nothing, especially with international feature. They, they are another branch that can often go their own way. And something that I feel like very consistently, the movie I have ranked at like 14th or 15th ends up getting nominated. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel pretty good about at least three of them. Like, I, I do feel that like close, all quiet and decision to leave are probably going to get in i feel i agree pretty good about yeah. those it's the other two spots that i really do think any combination and it wouldn't surprise me i i agree with you again yeah it could it could literally be any of them at this point point. and if i were you josh i would just predict bardo just to save yourself the disappointment yeah i mean i still think it could get in i think i actually am still predicting bardo at the moment uh I really am pulling for Joyland, though. I did like that movie a lot, and I would love for it to have that kind of a spotlight given the the controversies that it has been through, and I would love for it to get that spotlight. I am predicting as of today, uh, Decision to Leave, All Quiet, Close, EO, and The Quiet Girl. Ooh, interesting. Very interesting. I, Josh, what you said before about how like it always seems to be like the one you have at like 14th or 15th that gets nominated in this category. That is why I am not counting out India. Yeah, I Despite, agree. Despite like if they had RRR, that would be almost assured a nomination because like nothing is ever assured a nomination in this category. But like they could very well have the last laugh because that's not a big movie like RRR, but it is about cinema. And it, from what I've heard, it's very cinema paradiso kind of vibes. And if it's a big enough crowd pleaser and they get it out to people, that could, that could be the one that comes in and surprises everybody. I would not be surprised. Yeah, there's always one crowd pleaser in there, too, that is not like as lofty as the other ones, but it just works for enough people that it makes it in amongst all these other heavy hitters. So, no, I I am not counting out that movie making the final five either Uh, ranked amongst MVP right now across the entire team. uh, We have for a rank 10 decision to leave at number one, all quiet, the Western Front, number two, close number three. Bardo at number four, EO at number five, 
And then below that, uh, six Saint Omer, seven Argentina, 1985, eight Holy Spider, nine Joyland, ten Corsage. It's the year of the donkey, baby. <laughs> yes. Jenny approves. <laughs> all right, let's move over to makeup and hairstyling now. In this category, we've got All Quiet on the Western Front, Amsterdam, Babylon, The Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Blonde, Crimes of the Future, Elvis, Emancipation, and The Whale. I fucking knew that Amsterdam was going to make this list. Yeah. And yeah. I would say that I hate it, except that, like, it's the only great thing in that movie. The two things that I knew were going to happen here was I knew Emancipation would get in and I knew uh, Amsterdam would get in. The one I didn't see coming and I probably should have, other than Crimes of the Future, I, I think I just forgot that that movie was this year because it was. It just feels like it was so long ago. Um, Blonde showing up here. Uh, oh, because I knew that was going to happen. But like I, I was trying to figure out, was there any uh, transformative makeup or was it just all period makeup? Matt. You were in that screening with me. You know there are some shots in that movie where it is uncanny how much she looks like Marilyn Monroe. I get that, but at the same time, it didn't like... You know what it is, Matt? And I'll I'll tell you, the moment that I actually realized for me that I figured this was probably going to at least make the shortlist, and I actually think it still could get nominated, is there's that scene when one of the many scenes where she's having a breakdown, but her makeup artist actually comes into the room and says, let's put on Marilyn. So it's a significant showcase of the makeup being used in the movie for plot and character purposes. And I, I had a feeling like that alone would get it at least onto the short list. Mm. You know what other movie that happens in X. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going to let this go. I'm very upset. Other notable misses here include the woman King, the North man and everything everywhere all at once. Very shocked about the woman king, honestly. Yeah. I'm kind yeah. of shocked about everything everywhere, too. The woman king uh, didn't have the best day. Yeah. No. 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 Actually, wait a minute. No, maybe I'm lying about that. Hold on. The woman king showed up in. Yeah. Yeah. It only, it only showed up in score. It didn't show up for song. And not yeah. sound. Right. Uh, otherwise, the expected contenders are here. Uh, you have the Batman for Colin Farrell's transformation. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. A lot of us were predicting Elvis, the whale. Uh, I want to take this moment to say All Quiet on the Western Front was the big winner amongst the shortlists. It did very well, which we, you know, like it's a war movie. In every category that it was (laughs) eligible to show up in on the shortlist, it did not miss a single mention anywhere. And it had the most mentions overall of any film. And, you know, like, I remember, like, we kind of talked about this earlier in the year and, you know, with Netflix's slate being so strange and, like, more spread out than usual, it seemed, after Bardo kind of collapsed at Venice. The nomination potential for All Quiet on the Western Front was always, like, through the roof. And the fact that they didn't immediately pivot to pushing that as their big push... I get it because like it's not like no one on that team is known in the in Hollywood, but like they should have picked up on the fact 
I mean, if you ever needed an indication that now is the time to switch your campaign yeah. from Bardo over to All Quiet on the Western Front, the time is now. Mm-hmm. And because at this point, if all, if all Quiet on the Western Front does manage to get in for any of these shortlisted categories or cinematography or a- anything at that point, it will be in a better position to win international feature than anything else unless if decision to leave also has uh, a run of momentum getting into things like editing cinematography (laughs) i mean who knows but right now out of all of the international films that we talked about before all quiet on the western front stands the chance to be the most nominated amongst that entire group yeah although should take things with you know a grain of salt that just because it shows up a bunch on the short list doesn't mean it's guaranteed any of those nominations so like, right. This you know, is we don't true. want to run into that folly because that happens every year where we look at these lists. It's like, oh my God, this movie showed up on so many places. It must mean that it's so beloved. And then it might just get one or two. So, I mean, I, I think that this is a good sign of overall support for it. But I do want to acknowledge that that doesn't guarantee necessarily anything either. No, no, no. I agree with you on that. All I'm saying is it just needs to get, I think, two. You know, even one nomination outside of international feature. And bottom line is if if it's nominated elsewhere, I I think that that will be a sign that it could potentially be our winner of the category. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think for any movie that does like any movie that shows up outside because like we have we have a more international friendly academy now where they are willing to do that. I think that anything that shows up out there, that's looking to be your front runner this is not going to be like an an anomaly situation where there's an amorous paros waiting to sneak up oh my god could you imagine if it gets all these craft nominations but then doesn't get into international because it's just so competitive (laughs) that would be something that would definitely be a big shopper (laughs) yeah um, I, I will say that I did see some people overreact a little bit and say, oh, maybe I need to rethink about putting All Quiet on the Western Front back into my best picture predictions. No, you uh, don't. N- no, no. It didn't get a Critics' Choice nomination. If Critics' Choice didn't go for it, then ain't nobody going for it. I mean, but not unless Netflix actually does pivot and start really pushing it. But here's the thing, too, right, is that the critics last year, because everybody's like pointing to the drive my car example from uh, last year. And it's like, because Drive My Car didn't have an established director the same way that Roma did with Alfonso Cuaron, Parasite did with Bong Joon-ho, et cetera, et cetera. And so that was one where the critics really made it happen. The critics this year are trying to make RRR happen instead. As they should. No, no, as they should. I totally agree with you on that. But what I'm not seeing is I'm not seeing All Quiet on the Western Front showing up in a lot of Best Picture, Best Director mentions, and things like that amongst these groups. So... If the buzz cannot start there and then pick up some momentum here like it did today, then all that it has left really when you stop and think about it is BAFTA. BAFTA is like the only place where I could, you know, kind of like when Thomas Vinterberg got in for another round. But then again, like he was also very well known amongst, I think, a lot of uh, Academy uh, members. And had a really big heart tugging story. Yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 at this point, what I would need to see with All Quiet to believe that it's forget about like Best Picture for a minute, because I, I just don't believe it's going to happen at this stage. Um, but in terms of it just winning international feature, I think I think a strong showing at BAFTA could go a very long way. 
again, I, the one other thing that it could have that most of these other films do not is the Netflix PR team. Uh, Crimes of the Future showing up here. Badass. Love it. Great. I really love that. I, that I, was hope, a nice it, surprise. I yeah. hope it gets nominated. Like, I'm not quite as happy about it to completely offset my disappointment about X. <laughs> and also my disappointment about RRR getting left off on this list because i mean come on that is the greatest mustache in the history of all (laughs) and it should deserve a nomination just for that alone but never mind like some of the like makeup effects in that movie are also pretty great (laughs) like (sighs) i think we're gonna have to pay close attention obviously to the bake-off because i'm looking at like my top five right now for this category with elvis the whale the batman black panther and all quiet on the western front and that is definitely way too easy and I think a little bit too populist. The bottom five. Yeah, def- one, one of them is getting in. I just I just don't know yet which one. And I think the Bake Off will hopefully tell us which one. Well, hopefully, maybe or also maybe not, because I feel like, yeah, every year we get dispatches from that Bake Off that we use for our predictions. And then that does not materialize. I, I do not trust that Bake Off as much as I do the visual effects one. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. For original score, we've got All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, Babylon, The Banshees of Inishirin, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Devotion, Don't Worry, Darling, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Nope, She Said, The Woman King, and Women Talking. I just need to get this off my chest. Devotion is here. But RRR is not? RRR? How about bum, 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 bum? Where's the Batman? I Matt, know. I have been telling you, ah. that branch has had a weird relationship with yes. Michael Cicchino. I, I, yes. I do not understand yeah. it. Okay, also, can we talk about the fact that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross aren't on here for Bones, Bones and All, or Empire of Light. They have Shocking. a weird relationship with them, too. Yeah. I don't understand it. Like, those scores were fantastic. And to have yeah. none of them on there, and the Batman, which was like, uh, it's- Here's another person they have a weird relationship with. Uh, Danny Elfman's not here for White Noise. Oh, that's true. Ooh. I feel like White Noise is just like falling off. Oh, you think it's like DOA? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm starting to feel that way too. I think the late release date is just like really hurting it at this stage. Not enough people have seen it. I mean, Living also not getting in here too was kind of a shocker for me. I, but Was it? Yeah, only because I just had a feeling that that was a kind of like lovely British period piece score. Really? But, you know, at least would have made the short list. Who did that score? Uh, oh, fuck. Not a branch name. Well, I so, think like, I mean, there's there your answer right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, which is my, like, I sort of had this, I <laughs> hope I live on it. But, like, I was really thinking that RR and everything everywhere all at once were looking really good in this category. And what do we get? <laughs> Not that. Uh, nope. We got half that. Everything everywhere all at once is here. Yeah. I was happy that everything everywhere got in. Me too. For Sun Lux, that score, when I rewatched it, like you forget just how varied that score is. Mm-hmm. It's insane. I think it's actually a dark horse. It, it, like, if everything everywhere all once, like, 
overperforms on nomination morning, I, I think it's very possible score could be one of the nominations <laughs> with this branch. Uh, well, I'm just did I did I not say the word overperform, Dan? <laughs> I'm just saying this is a this is once again a super co- competitive category, though, uh, for a multitude of different yeah. reasons. I'm already contemplating leaving off uh, certain titles in my predictions that I'm like, wait, am I really am I going to do this for real? Uh, because there's just so many ways I think that this can go. I was very happy to see Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery get in here, uh, particularly yes, because uh, Nathan Johnson so uh, missed last year for uh, Nightmare Alley. And it, that music is so much fun. My God, mm-hmm. I loved it. The Nope, the Nope score getting in here too. Michael Abrams, great. great. It's not getting nominated, but I want no. it so badly. <laughs> and honestly, you know what? Shit on it all you want. Don't worry, darling has a great score. Fair, fine. It, it has does. a unique it's score. Made. I would say that. <laughs> Devotion, I couldn't tell you what the score was. <laughs> did like did they get confused and think that it was Top Gun Maverick? Like I just <laughs> And this is another one though where today I'm like looking at our consensus predictions for this category and I'm saying to myself Oh boy, like it just feels that they're, we're, we're ripe for some uh, shocking misses on Oscar nomination morning here. But the consensus seems to be with Fableman's Women Talking, Babylon, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, and the Banshees of Inna Sharon. Uh, but I think Terrence Blanchard could sneak in there for the Woman King, especially if the film is getting into picture. So. Yeah. As I mentioned before, Everything Everywhere All at Once could be a real surprise here if the movie's strong. Uh, Nicholas Bertel, for she said, yeah. uh, is also a possibility. They do like which him, I, yeah. Yeah, and after the year that he's had with Andor as well recently, which has been such a great score, I feel like that would be awesome. But I, I'm also not putting him on my predictions list. Funny enough, the one uh, score that I actually feel most confident is probably not going to get nominated is actually Avatar The Way of Water. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's not a knock against the score. It's just... I think that the problem with that score is that it just its best moments are the reused yeah. tracks from James Horner. Yeah, that's the biggest problem with it. But on the other hand, it like it made the shortlist somehow. I it would be really nice if All Quiet on the Western Front made the nominations list. Oh, oh my God. The score for All Quiet on the Western Front is so jarring. That I, I, I too would really, really love to see it go all the way. Just just for the sheer fact that it's such a unique score for that kind of a movie. Yeah, I, I will not shut up about the fact, the fact, the fact that the best score of the year is uh, from Smile, of all things. <laughs> but that, uh, All Quiet is like the closest to that score that I'm getting from this list. It sounds often more like just noise than music, but it works so well. It does so much for the overall feel of the film. And just like, I love that risk taking. I love it so much. I'm, I'm still very brokenhearted about RRR and the Batman. Like the, the Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross stuff this year, I did love those scores, but I also wasn't as passionate about seeing them get nominated as I was these two. And, you know, RRR, this is a good moment to kind of talk about this for a moment. Such a weird day. Weird. Uh, I wouldn't say weird. I would say bad. It underperformed. I don't dramatically. Know, I don't know that I would say bad. 
bad. I Dan, feel like it showed it, up for one shortlist in a category that it's been nominated for at the Golden Globes and the right. Critics' Choice, yes. But it didn't get in into any of the categories where, it, like, think about this. If it gets nominated for song, right, what else is it getting nominated for at this point to support a possible Best Picture nomination? Because it ain't getting nominated for sound. It ain't getting nominated for visual effects. So where is the support coming from? Because that's the thing, like, RRR going all the way to, like, a Best Picture run was a really beautiful dream that I always had serious doubts about it actually happening. So when it didn't show up on these shortlists, I was very disappointed. I was very upset, but I wasn't exactly surprised because these are the individual branches having their say. And it is an international team made up of names that no one in Hollywood knows. So they would have had to like really loved this, like it's winning best picture in order for it to have made these shortlists. I feel like. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of with you there a little bit, Dan, because especially with some of these categories, like no doubt RRR deserve to be on the shortlist. Oh yeah. I also feel like the kind of like sound work, the kind of visual effects, the kind of music that is in that movie is not typical to what the branches yeah. normally go for. They are very specific and very culturally specific, I would add, too. And I always thought that that was going to be a little bit of mm-hmm. a difficult bridge to cross. Like, it would have been amazing if it did, but like, it is just, like I said, very specific, specifically kind of uh, of those elements and those crafts employed in that movie. And as we see in with some of their selections, they tend yeah. to go a little bit more traditional with their picks. And you know what, Matt? You know what else got just song and picture? It's happened before. Oh, Selma. Yep. Like, it's not outside of the realm of possibility, especially, like, if Rajamuli keeps picking up director prizes. I mean, if they if he becomes the international director to break into that category this year like it could happen listen i need to see at this point now other signs i i i feel like at this point i agree yeah agree i i can't i can't just go off of gut instinct at this point with this like i need to see some guild mentions yeah. which i don't think i'm gonna see yeah, sure. but i mean i i need to see something I, is it even eligible for the guilds i don't is it well we still got some road ahead, you know. Yeah. We still got a month before the nominations. There, there's still some stuff that can happen. So, but we'll have to just wait and see at this point. Yeah, I am very upset that it didn't make the score list because, like, watching bits and pieces of it again recently, like, yes, the reason that movie works as well as it does is because of that score and how hyped up it gets you. My God. Moving over to original song, uh, because we're on that topic here. We have Time from Amsterdam. Uh, Nothing is Lost, You Give Me Strength from Avatar, The Way of Water. Lift Me Up from Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. This is a Life from Everything Everywhere All at Once. Ciao Papa, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Till You're Home from A Man Called Otto. Not To Not To from RRR. My Mind and Me from Selena Gomez, My Mind and Me. Good Afternoon from Spirited. 
Applause from Tell It Like a Woman, Stand Up from Till, Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick, Dustin Ash from The Voice of Dustin Ash, Carolina from Where the Crawdads Sing, and New Body Roomba from White Noise. All right, this is the only place I can talk about this, and I will make this brief. Because the internet has been saying that Taylor Swift got snubbed <laughs> for her all too well uh, short film, but she yeah. got in here. Now, as a Taylor Swift fan who is going to see her in concert next year, I do think if that was the music video to make a short film to get nominated, if it wasn't going to be all too well, it's not going to do it. But I am happy to see that she did make it for original song. But it is interesting now that she is making this shift into directing feature films. The Academy has art, especially this category, uh, the live action short category is like, no, we are not ready for this. Well, I mean, to be fair, she is. <sighs> she has advantages that other filmmakers don't have. And I do think that this was actually the best thing that could have happened to her because it does knock her down a peg. And I think it does then, you know. I'm not saying that the field is still I'm not saying the the field is leveled, but it brings it down a little bit lower to the point that hopefully um, she doesn't have as big of a target on her back now when she does make that feature film. You know what I mean? It's Taylor Swift. She's always going to have a target on her back. I'm trying to help you here, Meredith. (laughs) I know. I know. I'm saying this as somebody who like I like Taylor Swift a lot. I didn't think she needed to be on directors on directors so soon um but i figured because she was nominated here in original song i could bring this up briefly because i'll tell you i'll tell you who didn't mind that she was on directors on directors martin mcdonough because <laughs> you know how many people watched that video who had no idea who he was and now they walk away from it like i'm gonna watch the banshees of Inishiran now <laughs> you know God, the, the power so. of taylor swift and the swifties like they'll glom on to you know her recommendations which banshees is a very good movie I'm glad that a whole bunch of people who wouldn't have seen it otherwise are now seeing it. I, I, I keep laughing at, uh, you know, I know Taylor's, you know, here for Where to Crawl Dads Sing, but I keep thinking that because she's in the movie, she did the song for Amsterdam as well, even though she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say in regards to this category, just some notable misses really quick. Uh, Nobody Like You from Turning Red, although like I'm OK with it. It, it didn't need to be there. Um, I like the song perfectly fine, but. That's all right. Uh, I wanted it to be there so badly. It's, it's so good. Song. It's very catchy. Listen, it's not the mid '90s anymore. Okay, uh, "Marry Me" from <laughs> "Marry Me." Is it the mid '90s? Fine, fine. Early 2000s, you Backstreet Boy fans. All right, "Marry Me" from "Marry Me," and then uh, the one that actually did break my heart the most here: "Love Is Not Love" from Bros. I that makes yeah me yeah. That I'm sorry. What is the voice of Dustin Ash? Like, maybe I shouldn't be that snarky because maybe it's a really good song, but like, it makes me very upset that the song from Bros didn't get in there because that legit makes me cry every time I watch that. I mean, it's just sad that it like didn't even get a Golden Globe nomination for comedy musical for Billy Eichner and now this. And I'm like, oh man, that movie just deserved better in general from everybody. Uh, um, as far as everything else here that's in the category, all of the uh, Critics' Choice and Golden Globe uh, nominees are all here. So 
I mean, I this is once again kind of a similar thing to what we've been talking about, which is we kind of have a set five with new body Roomba on the outside. And then, I don't know, what do you think outside of the ones that have been nominated at Golden Globe, Critics' Choice, and New Body Roomba? Like, what do you think is also there lying in wait? I'll tell you what it is before anybody else says it. Jay Ralph. That's your answer? See, I was going to say Diane Warren. <laughs> oh, she's abs- She's definitely in. Well, the question now becomes, do you put Jay Ralph and Diane Warren in your predictions? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think I do. I actually, the one that has me most, like, coming at it from, like, a come-from-behind kind of way is the song from Till, because it's really good. It reminds me a lot of the Her song that won for Judas and the Black Messiah a couple of years ago. I don't disagree with you on that, but I also think that Till is... I think Till's in danger right now. But hear me out. This is how Daniel Deadweiler can still win the Oscar, okay? Okay, Dan. Okay. Is if the song from her movie gets nominated. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I mean, you're not wrong, but I also have been down this road before, Dan. It doesn't work out. I know you have. There's a reason why I said (laughs) use the words that I did. (laughs) Uh, Josh, what do you think? I think we lost him. We lost Josh? Yeah, we lost Josh. He's not on. Oh. All right, hold on a second. I, I noticed there was something like weird with his audio, or at least there was. Yeah, one. you think the storm got him? I don't know. Oh, he just said my internet cut out. Look oh, at that. Oh, no. All right. Uh, all right, let's see if he can join, join back. Alyssa, what do you think with this category? Uh, like I said, it does seem like there is a set five right now with Black Panther, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, RRR, Top Gun Maverick, Where to Crawl Dad Sing. And like I said, White Noise has the additional Critics' Choice nomination, but mm-hmm. Diane Warren is such a branch favorite. <laughs> I know. I'm torn between thinking that maybe they don't need to give her another nomination because she just won an honorary Oscar. But I'm thinking, well, maybe they will keep doing it because they want us to watch movies we've never heard of before. <laughs> I really don't know what's going to happen with that. That is one thing that Diane Warren's good for is getting me to watch movies that I never thought I would watch. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then moving on from this category here, we've got sound. Uh, we got All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, Babylon, The Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Moon Age Daydream, and Top Gun Maverick. Very, very happy to see a straight 10 here as opposed to 15. Uh, so that was uh, very, very nice because this has been one of the hardest categories, I think, to predict all year because it's just been such a great year for sound. Notable misses, and this is what I mean when I say it's been a great year. Uh, we mentioned RRR earlier. That's not here. 13 Lives is not here, and neither is Nope. Yeah, yeah the sound nope in is... Nope was just phenomenal. I was really bummed about that missing here. Yeah, that's a really weird one considering that it did get in in other places. Very, very sad not to see RRR here, but again, like I said earlier, not surprised. Love, love, love that Moon Age Daydream yeah. made this list. Yes. I, that is so inspired. I, it made me so happy. I'm still like, <laughs> like trying to beat the drum for like, please give it an editing nomination. 
I know it's not going to happen, but seeing it in here, I was like, oh my God, what if, what if a documentary gets nominated outside the documentary category? It would be something. It would be great. I would love it. Yeah. Uh, this is once again, no, as mentioned before, uh, a great crop of nominees where I'm sorry to say this, Dan, I do feel like Moon Age Daydream is. <sighs> oh, it's not going to happen. No, it's like my number 10 in the category. But we can yeah. dream just a little bit, just a little bit. We can Moon Age Daydream about it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I'll say to, you know. The only other film missing here. And it's the only place where I thought it could show up. Uh, is the Fablemans. Yeah. Yeah. Should I read into it? I'm not going to for now, but it is, it, it does have me curious. I'm not going to read into it other than like, if for some reason you had it very high up your predictions for editing, uh, take it down. <laughs> okay. Visual effects. Last category here. All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, Jurassic World, Dominion, Nope, 13 Lives, that's where they show up, and Top Gun, Maverick. Missing, as said earlier, RRR, uh, and then also additionally, Everything Everywhere All at Once, unfortunately, and I guess to a certain extent, Good Night, Oppie, because there was a concentrated push for the visual effects for that film. But yeah, definitely RRR and Everything Everywhere All at Once missing out here were the two very big ones, I would say. It is appalling, appalling that those three movies, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Good Night, Oppie, and RRR, did not make this list, and yet the... Jurassic World Dominion that like we have seen all those special effects before and Fantastic Beasts really okay yeah how did like, they get in over those other movies I don't get it uh, I'll tell you exactly how they got in everything everywhere all at once like the narrative of like five Small people working team. on it yeah. yeah it's a really great story and everything but Fantastic Beasts has CGI creatures and environments and it's noticeable visual effects. Yeah. And they just they don't like indie visual effects stuff or like like the like RRR, like they don't go for international movies here really, like All Quiet on the Western Front being the exception because it's a war movie, because they they love rewarding the same visual effects in this category. Anytime that there is something that looks like different from the norm or new it's either not getting in at all or it's like avatar and it's winning there's no in between and it just sucks that like they keep going for these big movies that no one really likes and the visual effects are fine but not anything we haven't seen before they're going with those kinds of movies instead of the little movies that are really like incredible that they were able to look so good on a budget that was so far under 100 million i mean to be fair all quiet on the western front was also made for a very very small cheap amount right but like it's a war movie and they there is going to be a war movie in this category every year there just is yeah i agree with you dan it's disappointing that like the the better multiverse movie everything everywhere all at once 
is not in here and yet Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which I have very strong opinions about that movie, but the visual effects weren't anything out of this world, you know. And meanwhile, like I knew that that one was going to show up. I I don't know how I knew. I just like knew. I'm like, no, that one's absolutely getting in. I'm glad it got in instead of uh, Thor. Thor, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, for real. I can't believe that this is where 13 Lives shows up and not sound. Although, like, oh, I would never have predicted that. I'm really glad it did because you can't. The visual effects in that movie are just unclockable. You can't even tell there that it is visual effects, really. Yeah. But yeah. like. You're- yeah. It's so weird to me that that missed the sound shortlist. Oh, well, I was just going to agree with that. And I was also happy to see Nope in here because, you know, the, the special effects in that are, are really impressive, too. Yeah. Yeah. No, all around. It was a very, very interesting day for the shortlists and uh, definitely gave us a lot to think about here. I, I you know, I, I will say, like, going back to an overarching theme here, which is, just because everything everywhere all at once missed in visual effects, I wouldn't read into it that much that all of a sudden like the Academy is like revolting against a movie. I also would say just because All Quiet on the Western Front showed up in all these uh, shortlisted categories does not mean it's getting into Best Picture. You got to just take every single category piece by piece and try to figure out at the end of the day how this is all going to fit. And we don't have all the pieces yet. We still don't have uh, the guilds. We still don't have BAFTA. So there's still a lot to come here that's going to help us to figure out what the ultimate final nominees will be uh, when we get to the Oscars. So hang on tight for that. Uh, Oscar nomination voting begins on January 12th and goes until January 17th. And the nominations for the 95th Academy Awards will be announced on January 24th. My gosh, it's so close. I know. Oh January is going to be a sprint of a month. Mm-hmm. It's going to be pretty insane, considering how many guilds are going to be happening in the lead up to the 24th. I mean, hell, the Writers Guild are announcing their nominations the day after the Oscar nominations. So that ain't going to be much help at all this year. Oh, uh, this, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be it's going to be wild. I mean, uh, uh, also to uh, what's the other one that's announcing afterwards? Uh, ACE nominees. Yeah. Oh my god! So we're not gonna have it. We're not gonna have Ace to tell us about uh, who the editing nominees are gonna be. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. You know, it's gonna be a little tricky, but it'll be fun. All right. I want to see if we can get Josh back. Oh, Josh is back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a um, a snowstorm happening in Chicago, so I'm pretty sure that is having. I kind of figured. But I'm back. Okay. Here we go. And now for our trailer for this week. New Christopher Nolan coming to theaters on July 21st, 2023, the same day as Greta Gerwig's Barbie, as the Internet continuously wants to tell us. This is the trailer for Oppenheimer, starring Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, and a shit ton of others. Seems like everybody in Hollywood was cast in this movie. Every white person. Oh, oh, you're going to oh, you're, you're going to come out swinging that early. All right. Just saying. OK, well. Let's take a look at the trailer for Oppenheimer. We'll give some thoughts. We imagine a future. And our imaginings horrify us. They won't fear it. Until they understand it. And they won't understand it. 
used it. I mean, <laughs> the man blew up a fucking nuclear bomb, apparently. Like, <laughs> the footage looks great. Yeah, I mean, it, this automatically, uh, for me, based on, obviously, like, you know, things that we know and what we've seen so far, uh, this looks like it could be Hoyt Van Hoytema's ticket to an Oscar next year. I could see that happening. Oh, I hope so. I really do. So oh, yeah. deserved for that career. Like Also, you know they're going to push the whole, this is the first time that uh, black and white analog photography has been used in IMAX. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what? You go on with your bad self, Chris Nolan. You, <laughs> you do the damn thing. You know what? Like, I, I respect the hustle. I do. I mean, I do appreciate that he's always thinking about the audience and trying to give a unique experience. Uh, but the number one thing that got me most excited about this trailer, more so than anything, is that I feel like after Tenet, Christopher Nolan needed to scale it back a bit. Now, I understand detonating a nuclear explosion <laughs> may not be considered scaling it back, but from what I can tell from this trailer and what we see here so far, this does look like a more character-based film that isn't relying on big action set pieces. And as a result of that, I'm hoping that it can have the same effect on me dramatically as stuff like Memento and The Prestige did. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping so. that he's not doing so much with the narrative trickery um, as he has been prone to do. I'd like him to do something a little more straightforward just so that we can like enjoy just how good his filmmaking can be without having to be like constantly like impressed by, oh my God, did you see that? Just like strip it back, back to basics. I like that a lot. Although like I find it really interesting that they, the first trailer for this is actually two very completely different trailers. Yes, there was a trailer that played ahead of uh, Avatar The Way of Water and IMAX that was different from this one. So Yeah, and that one's a lot more interesting, I think. Definitely had a different tone, that's for sure. Mm, yeah. Also, too, I think we're all in agreement here. About goddamn time that Killian Murphy got a leading role again. Finally. Yes. yes. It's been a yes. long time since I've seen this guy lead a movie. And when I say, and listen, I understand that he's led movies. I get it. But in a showcase film with this high of a profile, like this is not some British independent film or something like that. This is a Universal Pictures film from Christopher Nolan. Like, I, I'm just very, very happy that I, I and, you know, it's really I, I wonder what the conversation was like when Christopher Nolan negotiated to go from Warner Brothers over to Universal and. It's like, oh, well, who do you want to cast as Oppenheimer? How about Robert Downey Jr.? And Nolan's like, he could be in the movie. Sure. But that's not who I want. <laughs> you know, like, I can imagine Nolan really went to bat for Killing Murphy. And I, I, I do question, like, I'm sure, I'm sure the only reason why he got this role, because Killing Murphy is not a bankable name. He's an actor that I think every one of us knows and respects and likes. But he's not someone that you would expect to lead a film of this size. Uh, but that's Nolan's clout. And that's also speaking to the relationship that him and Murphy have. And I'm just really, really happy to see Murphy get this opportunity. Because even in the brief glimpses that we see here in the trailer, uh, this looks like it's going to be a really great performance from him. 
Oh, I'm already pushing for his like uh, best Oscar uh, campaign next year. Like, yes, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. I'm so on board with seeing him finally get that kind of recognition because he is so good. And especially if you've seen Peaky Blinders, you know he can do this. So let's go. Well, we didn't get to see too many other actors in it, but I know there are many more. We'll get to see mm-hmm. probably another trailer. <laughs> I also really like that they teased the explosion by showing like close ups of like the chemical like reaction instead yeah kind of like reminds me of um yeah because i i can just i i already have a feeling like nolan's probably like oh this is how they did chemical like shots like this in 2001 a space odyssey and he probably did it all practically without the use of computers you know oh, totally i'm very curious of like how he's gonna play with the relationship between like you know pre the atomic bomb and post and like seeing like how he's using color and like the how he's gonna edit this thing together like it just looks fascinating and i for one can't wait to see it first on that marvelous day in cinematic history when Mm -hmm. oppenheimer and barbie are opening the same day it will be oppenheimer first then barbie because i want to end on a high note (laughs) exactly exactly i also um i'm just going to say this because Josh uh, is having internet issues with a snowstorm that's happening inside of Chicago right now. But I I will happily say this for him because I feel the same. I'm already having agita about the fact that next year's like cinematography Oscar is potentially Hoyt Van Hoytema for this versus Rodrigo Prieto. Oh man, I'm also I'm I'm having anxiety over. Nolan, Denny Villeneuve, and Martin Scorsese all having new films next year. Yeah. <laughs> and potentially Fincher is the killer also next year. It is, yeah. But I don't eh, I'm not I don't really know if that's gonna be a thing. Like, but still, like all the iconic white men directors having their movies next year. Like, wow. All right. Well, as we said before, it's gonna be a glorious day at the cinema, July twenty first, twenty twenty three. Can't wait already planning on calling out that day from work so I can (laughs) (laughs) all right and now what I want to do is I want to do something uh, a little fun before we get to fan questions here I want each of us to give each other the gift of a recommendation of something to watch over the holidays something that the other person has not seen so I would like to start it off actually with Dan. Oh no. Because Dan, yes. You and I have watched a lot of movies together this year. We have. We have. So I, I would like to give you a gift, if that's okay. Please, I am ready to receive your gift. Okay. I would like to give you the gift of watching. And for the record, if you have seen it, you have to call me out. And then, then the thing is, I have to pick something else. Uh, okay. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. <laughs> it is so much better, Dan, than you think it is. I, I have not seen it yet. And everyone keeps saying that it is just incredible. So, yeah, that. OK, I, I will happily watch that this i'll go to a late screening so that there won't be quite no kids kids. yeah smart all right uh 
You know, Alyssa and Chris, uh, Alyssa and Meredith actually like already mentioned earlier that, you know, the stuff they have to catch up on and things like that. Like, uh, I think I think it was you, Meredith, who said Fablemans haven't watched it yet. Yes. Get on that. <laughs> <laughs> Highly recommended. I haven't seen it yet either. <laughs> All right. Well, then for the both of you. <laughs> Pure and simple. Um, I'm, I'm sure that's just an easy one because Meredith kind of gave it to me like in a layup. But and Josh is not back right now. I don't know what I would recommend Josh to watch anyway. He's watched everything. So, uh, Dan, how about you? What's what's your recommendation? This is oh God, this is so hard. I mean, you know, this is hard because like I, I know that you've seen like a lot of freaking movies Mm-hmm. And trying to think of one that I have seen from this year that you have not seen is you. You know what? You know what? Since it, I know that you haven't seen it because we talked about it. I will uh, beg of you to try to get a screen of her hidden letters and watch that. Okay. Because, you know, it is it is good and it's very, very interesting. It's not ultimately like it wasn't as much as I wanted from it. But what is there is really interesting and and very well done. I will say that because it's on the short list, I will watch yeah. it. But because it's uh, being recommended by you, I, I will happily accept this gift, sir. Uh, <laughs> do you have a different one for Meredith and Alyssa or would that be the same? Yeah, I do have a different one from Meredith and Alyssa. Um, I'm trying to think and I'm trying to, you know, like personalize a little. Um, Okay, so to Alyssa by Portrait of a Lady on Fire Girl, (laughs) I am going to recommend to you, if you have not seen it, uh, The Blue Caftan. I have not seen that. Very beautiful intimate portrait of picture of what love can look like in a relationship in different ways than we're used to. Awesome. Thank you. I think it made the international shortlist, didn't it? It did. Yep. It did indeed. It did indeed. Good movie. And for Meredith, uh, I, you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to go something not recent um, because you are my glass onion girl. Um, So have you seen uh, The Last of Sheila? Oh. I actually haven't seen The Last of Sheila. See The Last of Sheila before you watch Glass Onion again. Done. Adding that to the list. Uh, actually, to kind of piggyback off of that, um, Meredith, did you see a movie that released this year called See How They Run? Oh my gosh, not only did I see it, I devoured that movie. Yes! Like, if Wes Anderson made a murder mystery and it wasn't even directed by him, and (laughs) Sir Sharonin and um, Sam Rockwell are perfect. I loved that movie. Okay, I'm glad. Because that that definitely would have been my my, my recommendation for sure. All right, cool. I have one for Josh, too, if he's back. Like, back for good back. He's on mute. Okay, so I I forget if he has seen this yet, but Josh, I hope that for this Christmas you get to see EO on the biggest screen possible if you haven't seen it already. I feel so bad. I hope he heard you. (laughs) I hope he did too. I can't tell. (laughs) Oh. Well, you know what? It's okay. Whether he's seen it or he's not seen it, he hasn't seen it on the biggest screen that he possibly could. That's for sure. There we go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
All right. Anyone have any recs for me? It's hard because I'm sure you've seen everything. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Just throw something out there that you're passionate about, and uh, I'll I'll tell you if I have or not. Yeah, I've been feverishly like checking like uh, everyone's uh, letterbox, and I've just been like trying hard to find something um, that all of you haven't seen. But something that I've been passionate about this year that's just a delightful, easy movie to watch is Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Yes. Yes. I, am- I love that movie. <laughs> oh, great. I love it. Um, such a good movie. I just watched it again the other day. Oh, so really? sweet. <laughs> Leslie Manville is absolutely terrific in that. And I really love the costumes in it, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just so fantastic. So I have also saw Dan. I saw in your profile that she's been a tap dancer for a while. Yes. I also did tap. So ah! I, I was going to recommend Spirited just because there were some great <laughs> tap performances there. But I saw you already watched it. So it's spirited really surprised me by how much i liked it i have to say and the song that got made the short list is a very fun song so yes good on you pasik and paul <laughs> all right uh i feel so bad uh, about josh and his internet issues but we're gonna we're gonna press on here we're gonna answer some fan questions now uh let's see what the mvp film community had to say for this holiday special episode. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Danny Jarabek, what are your favorite Christmas adjacent movies? Movies not necessarily about Christmas, but are set during that time. The Lion in Winter. That's a very, very good choice. It's a very good choice. <laughs> God damn, that's. I don't even know. How, I don't even know how I can compete with that now. What is more Christmassy than petty family squabbling? I mean, come on. But it's not about Christmas. Um, you know, it's interesting because the movies that aren't about Christmas, we then tend to turn around and say, but this is a Christmas movie. You know, like Eyes Wide Shut or Die Hard or whatever. Well, yeah, I think that's what he's saying. Yeah. But if I but but you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick a movie where there is a Christmas scene. And it's just like one scene that takes place at Christmas. Um, Hustlers. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. OK. Um, I was going to say probably because this has been on my mind a little bit. Um, I would say the holiday just because. Yes. Like, really. Is like it's more about around Christmas and these women taking vacations than it is about celebrating. Um, and then also last holiday too. Uh, I love last holiday so much. Dan, I love being with you in that. Oh my god, movie list because uh, we're on the same wavelength here with that. Love it. I get it. Benny Dawson, with a sequel to RRR officially being announced, hypothetically, do you think it would work better for it to episodically continue the story of the first film like it's the next chapter or do something completely outlandish like RRR in space? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> do not do RRR in space. I think that they should just continue the stories of these two revolutionaries and yeah, stick with it. You know, let's let's not jump to space immediately. Though they do go hard. They do not go to space just yet. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, I feel like RRR goes hard enough where you don't need to add in space to it. Oscar Odyssey, since we're almost done with the year, what have been your favorite podcast reviews from 2022? Which of the retrospective episodes was the most fun to revisit? That's hard. Oh, Picking like a favorite review is hard. It's super hard. Yeah. That's really hard. I really liked our review of The Whale. I was really sad that I couldn't be on that review. What are you talking about? You were there. It was you, me, and Josh. Oh, no, never mind. Never mind. I was there. I did talk about it. I was like, because I had wanted to see it again and I couldn't. And yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was a good review, actually. That was a really good one. I personally enjoy when you guys had different opinions of a movie where it's like all over the place. It's always really interesting to hear that. You know which one that I actually liked um, doing? I don't know that it's a great review, but it's one that I do have a fond memory of. Matt, it's when you and I sat down the night before I flew to Toronto for TIFF and we talked about Barbarian, like right after we had that screening. Yeah. That was a very super last minute recording. That was that was something. And it was fun. On that train, one of my favorite episodes to listen of uh, Next Best Picture this year was your TIFF breakdown episode. I listened to that on the way driving to Las Vegas. And it was just such a fun episode to listen to and get me like hyped for so many of these movies. So thanks, guys. Uh, for the record, Josh Parham just texted me. He wants me to tell everyone that it was nice talking with everyone, but his internet, unfortunately, isn't going to come back. Oh. Uh, but he did at least hear Dan's recommendation for EO, and he says thanks. Aww. Uh, and for those of you that don't already follow him, you can follow him on Twitter at J.R. Parham. Uh, and I, I will say, like, in terms of the retrospective episodes, uh, which one was the most fun to revisit? You know, our 2012 retrospective was a lot of fun. I always enjoy doing those. They're always the highlight of the year, kind of, I think, in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whoever mentioned before, whenever we have like a wide range of opinions on the show, I, I agree. Stuff like Blonde. Yeah. But for the 2012 retrospective, it was definitely talking about Les Miserables. That was fun. Because I was dreading that review and that rewatch. And that review was a, a blast to do with everybody. Yeah, that was a really good one. David FMT11. What happened to the Sea Beast? I feel like it was definitely a contender for animated feature earlier in the season, and now it has completely disappeared from the conversation. Any chance it could still show up at any precursors? Well, as somebody who really enjoyed that movie, I've been really bummed to see it not get any recognition whatsoever. So, I, I mean, Netflix just dropped the ball on that one, really. Yeah, and the movie that's going to get in over it, I think, is another Netflix title. I, I, I think it's between Wendell and Wilde and My Father's Dragon for that final slot. Um, but I'm leaning towards My Father's Dragon because of being Cartoon Saloon and them never missing a nomination in this category yet. So it's unfortunate because I, I, too, like you, Alyssa, I, I love the Sea Beast. I thought it was really well done, and I love the action. And I love the uh, story at its center. Um, yeah, it's, it's a shame. 
Yeah, I wish more people would at least watch it because it is a, such an enjoyable watch and great message. Matthew Anderson, despite Blanchett and Yo picking up Critics Awards for Best Actress, can you see a world where the main precursors end up going with Michelle Williams and she gets her Oscar? Or is it going to be a showdown between Blanchett and Yo all the way? I could absolutely see that happening. I think that the Fablemans... It, like it, this sounds so weird, but the fact that it is not the front runner in terms of critics' prizes is actually very good for that movie right now. I agree. It doesn't have the target on its back, and this is what we were saying. Like all along, like it, it was always gonna be the Fablements, <laughs> and Michelle Williams winning her first is frankly a more compelling narrative, I think, than Kate Blanchett winning her third. Uh, but an even more compelling narrative is Michelle Yeoh winning. Uh, I, I think that would be something really extraordinary to see happen. It would be, yes. I would love that. Oh, my gosh. I just rewatched Tar the other night, and I mean, I echo everything that's been said about Blanchett a million times over. She's one of the great actresses of our time, and her performance in Tar is worthy of an Oscar win. I just like it when they spread the wealth and they have opportunities to do that this year by giving somebody their first or in the case of Michelle Yeoh making history Danielle Deadweiler I think Mm. would be another incredibly deserving winner and only the second black actress to win the Oscar so there's a lot of routes that they can go here I will say that if Michelle Williams does win that bodes very well for the Fablemans ultimately winning best picture Mm -hmm. in the end Oh, yeah. Yeah. Zach Johnson. Oh, oh, man. What is a comic book movie that you think is underrated? Oh, goodness. All right. I'll say this because it's Christmas. I think Iron Man 3 is super underrated. Yes. What it gets is ridiculous. Yeah, Yeah. Iron Man 3 is good. I'm a defender of that movie because it's, it's great. You get to see Tony out of his suit more often and the villain is really... Interesting. Yeah. Thanks for shouting that one out. No problem. Uh, Chance at Chan underscore Mexi. Why do you think all the Beauty and the Bloodshed is not performing better in award season despite it being the Golden Lion winner? Why does the Academy never nominate Docs for Best Picture and Best Director? That, That second part is a very loaded question, but I'll do my best to distill it down to this. Actors are the largest branch of the Academy, and docs typically do not feature actors acting. And so you lose a lot of support right away with something like that. And on top of that, like there is a sense that even more so, I think, than animated films and international features, the documentaries are their own thing. It's like you have movies and then documentaries. And yeah, that it's... is so not fair, but like yeah. that's how people think that's why it was so great to see flea get nominated for those three categories Mm -hmm. that was a huge thing and i'm you know maintain to this day if you're the you know one of the best animated one of the best international one of the best docs like i'm sorry flea should have been nominated for best picture that's all it should have been for (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah uh oscar got oh man Will Cocaine Bear be the first movie to knock Avatar 2 from the number one spot at the box office? No. It's not going to be because Megan will be. Okay, Dan. (laughs) Okay, Dan. 
Jesus. Hey, what other movie has had such a viral marketing campaign? Okay. We'll see. No, I respect it, but I'm also like. I would love for it to be Cocaine Bear 2. Like. <laughs> I'm so here for the first three months of 2023, weirdly. <laughs> and then we'll end it with this question here from All Hail King Shark. It seems to be a recent trend in film criticism to say this should have been a miniseries. What films do you think would have been approved by becoming a miniseries? Okay, so I need to see this movie again, to, but I feel like Babylon would have been better as a miniseries. <laughs> I could very easily see Babylon as like a six or eight episode. Yeah, yeah. On a, yeah, on a streamer or something. Yeah, I could totally see that. There's so much more story that you could tell with these people even. it. I would have loved to have seen that as a miniseries. I will say this, uh, because I said this on our review of the movie. Avatar The Way of Water is sort of, kind of trying to take the miniseries idea and put it into the cinema and i'm saying this not just with this movie but i'm talking about cameron's plan for all five films collectively this idea of telling a long form story across different parts you know what i mean well i mean that's i mean well first of all it's not that new it's they're doing the same thing that uh, Lord of the Rings did and the Matrix sequels did and this is more to be fair this is this is more movies Dan this is not three films but he's describing the MCU but this is not an interconnected universe and there also isn't a tie-in with any streamer for like TV shows or anything like that he's describing the early stages of the MCU <laughs> but even then the MCU was a series of collection of different properties it wasn't a not really <sighs> The first, that phase one, it was all set up for the Avengers, and we all knew that. that I was understand that, that, but they were set up as standalone films. It wasn't well, yeah. Iron Man in this film, and then the second movie, oh, it's Thor's film, but Iron Man's back. This is mm-hmm. following a set group of characters across five films, straight through. Continuously, no branching off, no other side movies, no secondary characters getting their own side movie sort of thing. That's that's the difference here. I mean, kind of. I get it. Okay, fine. (laughs) I made my argument. (laughs) I get what you're saying. I think my argument also holds water. (laughs) In terms of uh, another movie that could have been a miniseries. um, I think Babylon is actually maybe the best answer to this question now that I'm thinking about it, but. Although, hell, I'd watch a Lydia Tarr miniseries. Oh, you know what? Maybe because I'm just thinking so much about The White Lotus lately, but like Triangle of Sadness, maybe as like a six part miniseries on HBO. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I did make the comparison earlier because it did remind me of The White Lotus for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did think Triangle of Sadness was like 30 minutes too long. And if it was, yeah, I would have like really loved it. It's been like my one complaint about movies this year has been. I appreciate the long run times because I think people have heard me say enough times on this show, so I'm not going to be, you know, a hypocrite. I like long movies because I like getting my money and time's worth for them. Uh, And so even if it's uh, something like Babylon where it's a bit of a mess, I just appreciate that it's a whole lot of movie. But then if you give me something that's very conventional and standard, like I want to dance with somebody and it's like pushing the two two and a half hour mark. 
th- that's when I start to like kind of lose the patience. Even something like Blonde, which was a complete disaster, and I hated sections of it. There was something about just it being like a giant swing of a movie in terms of all these different styles and ideas. And so when I see stuff like Avatar The Way of Water, which is pushing the boundaries of technology or the Batman, which there you go. That's another answer. The Batman could have been a miniseries. Yeah, because that was a very sprawling story to tell in three hours, you know, almost three hour long narrative. But I love the Batman in the three hours. It was fine. I was I could have been there for another three hours. Oh, I'm the same way. It's one of my favorite <laughs> films of the year. I agree I with you. I wasn't bored at all. Not for one minute. Yeah. No. You know what else would have been, I think, improved by being a miniseries? Empire of Light. Oh, interesting. Really? Give it more time to actually build the supporting characters and the storylines and like merge them together to create one more coherent story. And I think it plays a lot better. I mean, you have the it's essentially, you know, workplace drama already because it's centered around the um the theater. Hmm. But with more time to let those stories breathe, I think they would have felt more organic and not as like too many different stories stuffed together into one film. And you know, they, it kind of suffered for trying to stuff all these things into one movie, I felt. Uh, I lied. This is the last question, because I actually do want to address this uh, address this here, and then we'll go. Connell Lorenz, do you think there is still a chance that the whale will play well with the industry and get into Best Picture? Yes. You know, I have to say, it hasn't missed a step in screenplay. Frasier is consistent as well. It does make people cry. Audiences are reacting stronger to it than critics are. I mean, hell, even Babylon has a lower Rotten Tomato score at this point than The Whale, which is shocking to me. But, you know, here we are. Is it possible? Yes, it is possible. What do I need to see in order to make it happen? Uh, I need to see. Well, a PGA nomination would go a long way. (laughs) Yeah, that would that would that would do wonders. Beyond that, an additional SAG nomination on top of Frasier, either Hong Chao or the ensemble, which I think is unlikely. But I mean, still, that would be a sign. And God, I mean, like, yeah, what else at that point? You know, I currently don't have it in my 10, but I can definitely see it sneaking in there. Yeah, that 10th slot is really tricky because. You either have RRR going all the way or you've got Glass Onion or Triangle of Sadness, maybe if like BAFTA goes big for it. I mean, it's Triangle of Sadness. I'm sorry I'm going off on a tangent here. You know, all of the international voting bodies like the European Film Awards and, of course, Cannes giving it the the Palm d'Or, you know, that film could do so well at BAFTA that maybe in the end it does get in there. It got those Golden Globe nominations, too. So even though Critics' Choice didn't go for it. You know, and this is kind of like I said earlier, like a, a theme of I think of this episode, which is we've gotten some very significant pieces to play with here in terms of what we think could happen, but we don't have all the pieces yet. Yeah, Triangle of Sadness feels like the biggest wild card this year. I could see a world where it gets blanked, and I could see a world where it shows up like it has an extraordinarily good 
day on nominations this morning and like overperforms. Which honestly, though, for me, that only means picture Dolly DeLeon and original screenplay. I can't see it getting anything more than that. Oh, yeah. Maybe Ruben Oslin, a director, if they want to pick an international. Yeah. Director. But he's not. But it's not an international film. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I get it. Like, it's very. And that movie, I feel like it made a lot of buzz when it opened, but it almost opened too early. Like, it's really weird. I don't know. All right. Well, uh, Meredith, Alyssa, one thing that you'll learn about me and working with me is that um, no matter what the schedule is, no matter what's going on in in the world (laughs) around us, um, I will find a way to put out a podcast episode. And I want to thank you all for going through Trial by Fire with me uh, through an over two hour long recording here with uh, spotty internet issues, holiday schedules, everything else in between. And uh, thank you both so, so much. I cannot wait to do more with the two of you. Yeah, thank you for having us. Oh, I was just going to say, this is a great conversation. Even though I'm really tired, I'm glad I stayed up for this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also so excited to have you. And on behalf of the whole team here, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. All right, one last time. Meredith, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me um, on Twitter and Letterboxd at Meredith Loftus. Alyssa Christian? You can find me also on Twitter and Letterbox at AMusic20. Dan Bear. You can find me as long as Twitter is around on Twitter at Dance and Dan on Film. You can find me at Letterboxd and at Post as Dance and Dan. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 325 of the Next Best Picture podcast. Happy holidays to everyone. I hope that you all enjoy it with your friends and family. And we will be back, of course, next week with a end of the year episode talking about favorite films from the year. Looking forward to what the uh, new year has to bring. It's going to be a very, very fun and exciting time as we get closer to the Academy Award nominations on January 24th. Still more to come. But I thank you all very much for coming along the journey with us. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.